You are listening to Rio Bravo Q Week podcast, your weekly dose of knowledge brought to you by the Rio Bravo Family Medicine Residency Program in Bakersfield, California, a UCLA-affiliated program sponsored by Clinica Sierra Vista. Let us be your healthcare home. This podcast was created for educational purposes only. Visit your primary care provider for additional medical advice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Rio Bravo Q Week. And this is episode number 131. And we're in March 2023. Uh, spring is coming soon. So the, it's getting warmer. It's getting nicer outside. We get a lot of rain, but it's actually um, necessary for our area because we had a very bad drought for for the last few months. So today I have two wonderful medical students and they are here because we're going to be talking about breastfeeding. And um, as if you listen to our podcast before, we defend breastfeeding a lot. We really promote breastfeeding in this podcast and because we really think it's a very good tool for kids and for uh, and for mothers too, uh, to promote well-being of the mother and the babies. So the motivation for this episode was actually a recent publication by the American Academy of Pediatrics, and it was published in on June 27, 2022, where it's not that re- so recent anymore, but it was less than a year ago. And this publication was called Policy Statement, Breastfeeding and the Use of Human Milk. So during this episode, we will be adding some of the updates and we'll also include information that is not an update, but it's important to know about breastfeeding and breast milk in general. So I have Leah and Aruna here. Uh, welcome, guys, for being here. Can you please introduce yourself? Thanks for having us. Hi, I'm Leah Kachikian. And my name is Aruna Sridharan. And we are MS4 students from Ross University School of Medicine. Great. That's that you guys are doing great in your rotation and thank you and, and we're gonna be talking about breastfeeding because that's part of family medicine mm-hmm. exactly part, yeah so uh, what can you tell us about breastfeeding then so let me start by saying that the american academy of pediatrics world health organization and center of disease control recommends exclusive breastfeeding at least for the first six months after which one can start to introduce complementary pureed foods the u.s the Department of Agriculture states that initiating complementary foods earlier than six months offers no benefits to the baby and can even be associated with high risk of overweight or obesity, especially if introduced before four months. Mothers are then encouraged to continue breastfeeding for at least one year and can further continue up to two years of age or longer, as long as mutually desired by mother and child. Yeah, and it's something I wanted to mention here. This is actually an update. Because the six months uh, rule is more stressed in this uh, policy, right? Before it was more like four months is okay, but six months it seems to be a key uh, age for for babies to be breastfed. And it's uh, it, you also mentioned that you know before four months probably is a no no, mm-hmm. like no food. After four months you can kind of like start, but ideally after six months, right? So it's good to to remember that. And so also something that is different in this uh, policy is the as long as mutually desired by mother and child. So that's something different too. You know, usually one year was recommended, two years, but now they say it's as long as you want it, <laughs> you can continue breastfeeding. Yep. Yeah. So Aruna, tell us, what does human milk actually contain? 
As the sole source of nutrition for infants in the first six months of life, breast milk plays a critical role in development. Human milk has a unique composition of proteins, fats, lactose, as well as vitamins, electrolytes, antimicrobial, anti-inflammatory, immunoregulatory agents, and living leukocytes, all of which contribute to the developing immune system of the child. Breast milk is rich in vitamins B1, B2, B6, C, A, E, calcium, magnesium, phosphate, and folate. However, it is low in vitamins K, D, B12, and iron. Therefore, supplementation of these nutrients is required. It is important for mothers to consume an adequate and healthy diet in order for their breast milk to contain appropriate levels of nutrients. Yeah, um, it's good that you mentioned that, you know, water-soluble and fat-soluble vitamins can be low in breast milk, especially if the mothers have a deficiency in those vitamins. So some composition as, such as um, iodine, for example, is important in the breast milk. Selenium can be low if maternal serum levels of selenium is low too. While talking about diet, dietary iodine, if the mother has a deficiency, it can be also exacerbated by, for example, smoking or iron deficiency and consu consumption of large amounts of foods that interfere with the production of thyroid hormones. So uh, some of those foods are, they are called goitrogens or, you know, they cause goiter including uh, some vegetables like Brussels sprouts, kale, cabbage, cauliflower, and broccoli. I was actually surprised about this uh, group of um, vegetables that, because they can actually cause goiter if they're consumed in large amounts. I don't know exactly what a large amount would mean, mm -hmm. but, you know, it's good to know. It's, it's a good information to know. But I know that diet is, it plays a key role in, the, in milk production, right? Mm -hmm. So can we talk about that? Yeah, actually, here's a fun fact for you guys. Different foods will change the flavor of your breast milk, and this will expose the baby to different tastes, which actually might help him or her more easily accept solid foods down the road. I can imagine, for example, pineapple. Yeah, will taste great sweeter with breast milk, breast right? milk. Yep. <laughs> or bananas. Right. <laughs> That's in the mother, right? The mother eating those things and then passing the flavor to the breast milk. Yeah. So, Aruna, are you saying that if mothers eat more broccoli, their children will grow up loving vegetables? <laughs> you know, I wouldn't take it that far, but it never hurts to try. Yeah. <laughs> 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 what else can we talk about the diet in the mothers? So mothers should consume iron-rich foods such as lean meat, eggs, dairy, beans, and lentils. It is important to choose a variety of whole grains as well as fruits and vegetables. Continue taking multivitamins. Yeah, and, and you know what is important, you know, you mentioned the vitamins, but they have compared... Um, breast milk composition from mothers from like with a poor diet and mothers with a rich diet, like comparing like different social levels of high, high with low income, you know, they were comparing those things. And the breast milk is very comparable in different humans, except on the composition of vitamins, like you said, and, and some minerals probably. So um, the, uh, a comment that I want to say, the, the requirement for mothers that are breastfeeding in iodine is about 290 micrograms and 550 milligrams of choline. So those are nutrients that they should be in your diet if you're breastfeeding. Is there anything that mothers should avoid in their diet? Yes, mothers should avoid seafood. Although fish is a good source of protein and lean meat, it contains some mercury, which can be transferred to the baby's diet. High amount of mercury can cause adverse effect on baby's brain and nervous system. So it's probably similar to the, the recommendations that we give for mothers who are actually 
pregnant, right? By mm -hmm. probably the same thing for, for breastfeeding mothers. Yeah. We also know that a lot of people love morning dose of espresso. <laughs> I love my coffee. Yeah. <laughs> so low to moderate amounts, which is equivalent to two or three cups of coffee per day, does not adversely affect the infant. However, anything more than around 300 milligrams of caffeine can cause irritability, poor sleeping patterns, fussiness, and jitteriness. Remember, this is also includes sodas, energy drinks, tea, and even chocolate. Okay, so just as a reminder, one cup of coffee can have about 95 milligrams of caffeine, but if you add up you know, all the caffeine sources, so it's good to, uh, to stay below the 300 milligram mark that you mentioned, Leah. Mm -hmm. And actually, I'm actually vegetarian, so are there any special diet recommendations for mothers who eat a vegan or vegetarian diet while breastfeeding? Yes, there is. So mothers who are vegetarian or vegan may have very limited amounts of vitamin B12 in their bodies, which can result in neurological damage to the baby. Iron levels may also be sparse, since plant-based foods only contain non-heme iron, which is less absorbable than heme iron. The ADA recommends supplementation of vitamin B12, iron, and other nutrients, such as choline, zinc, iodine, or omega-3 fats. Good to know. So besides dietary benefits, there are also many other benefits for the baby. Studies show that exclusively breastfeeding for six months decreased rates of neonatal and infant mortality, as well as pediatric disorders such as otitis media, diabetes, obesity, lower respiratory tract disorders, asthma, atopic dermatitis, sudden infant death syndrome, severe diarrhea, and inflammatory bowel disease. The longer an infant is breastfed, the greater the protection from certain illnesses and long-term diseases. So we had an episode about breastfeeding, well, many other episodes before this one, but I liked uh, episode 116 because we included three testimonials of three different women. The three of them were doctors, and they have different experiences with breastfeeding. So I invite the listeners to go back to 116 and listen to the testimonials of three doctors about breastfeeding. So how do mothers benefit from breastfeeding? The longer a mother breastfeeds, similarly, the greater the benefits to her health as well. Mothers who breastfeed experience lower risks of hypertension, type 2 diabetes, breast, ovarian, and endometrial cancers. Since we talked about some benefits, are there any contraindications? Yep, there's a few. One big one is alcohol. Having up to one drink per day is not harmful to the baby, especially if the mother waits at least two hours before feeding the infant. I know it seems wrong, but this allows time for the blood alcohol concentration in the breast milk to decrease. Consuming more than two standard alcoholic drinks daily is highly discouraged still. So less than two is okay. Well, mm -hmm. um, but one, ideally, and less than one will be the perfect, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you decide to drink, then less than two or one drinks a day will be enough. Yeah. Especially if you space it out from right. breastfeeding. So that's good. Another one is a tobacco use. Cigarette smoking or use of nicotine products is associated with decreased production of milk, shorter lactation time, and increased risk of SIDS, asthma, and other respiratory illnesses in infants. Therefore, mothers should be strongly encouraged to stop smoking and to minimize secondhand exposure. We know it is very difficult for people to quit abruptly. While transitioning to cessations, mothers should be counseled to smoke right after breastfeeding to allow the greatest amount of time for nicotine to exit the body until the next feed. Other cessation alternatives such as patch or gum can also be used during breastfeeding. Yeah, and I had to review 
varenicline because that's the most effective medication for uh, smoking cessation. There is no human data available to assess the risk of infant harm with varenicline, but it is likely excreted, excreted in the milk. But there is no data on assessment on milk production. You know, it's an option, but I wouldn't recommend it because uh, there is no human data. So we don't know if it would be harmful for the baby or not. But in any case, smoking um, mothers, they should try to quit smoking even before delivering the baby, right? So we discourage smoking during pregnancy. And I just can't imagine this um, pregnant woman, if she was able to stop smoking for nine months, she can wait a little longer to, re uh, to return to smoking again. So yeah, don't smoke if you are <laughs> breastfeeding. No, definitely <laughs> not. Yeah. On top of alcohol and tobacco use, other substances are also discouraged. Marijuana, opioids, amphetamine, cocaine, and other illicit drugs are contraindicated due to their effects on neurodevelopmental behaviors. If these substances have been used intrapartum or during breastfeeding, it is important to monitor the baby for neonatal abstinence syndrome. Some symptoms of this include poor weight gain, tremors, high-pitched crying, stuffy nose, poor feeding or latching, seizures, irritability, poor sleep, vomiting, and diarrhea. Breastfeeding is not contraindicated during most maternal infections. Some exceptions include HIV, human T-cell lymphotrophic virus type 1 or 2, untreated brucellosis, Ebola virus, or active herpetic lesions on the breast. Women with these lesions may breastfeed from uninfected breasts. Medications are relatively safe for breastfed babies, but some counterindications include anti-cancer drugs, oral retinoids, lithium, iodine, and amiodarone. Mothers should go over their medication list with their primary physician. Yeah, um, we used to have a classification of drugs uh, for breastfeeding mothers and pregnant women, and that that definition or that categories they started being used in 1979, but in 2015. They were stopped and they were replaced by um, something that was a little different. It's called Pregnancy and Lactation Labeling Final Rule or PLLR. The categories that were previously used were replaced with narrative sections and subsections to include pregnancy, which includes uh, labor and delivery, lactation, and also a third section that is called female and males of reproductive potential. And they should include texts or explanations about the effect on pregnancy, um, if the pregnancy test needs to be done before or after taking these medications, uh, the need for contraception, and the effect on fertility. So it's just a good reminder for, for our listeners that now we don't have the categories A, B, C, D, X, but we have these uh, texts or explanations in different medications. Mm -hmm. Are there any stigmas associated with breastfeeding, Aruna? Yes. So it is well known that breastfeeding can strengthen the bond between the mother and her child. Therefore, when latching becomes a problem, mothers are quick to become discouraged. If this happens, pediatricians should educate the parents that many breastfeeding problems actually commonly arise between four to seven days after birth. Sometimes exclusive or any amount of breastfeeding is not always possible despite the mother's best of intentions. This can understandably cause them to feel a lot of guilt and disappointment as a new mother. Physicians should provide a safe, non-judgmental environment for the parents to openly discuss their difficulties while educating on proper latching techniques and other alternatives for breastfeeding. Yeah, well, that's a great way to finish this episode. Mm -hmm. uh, I appreciate your discussion. But now I'm just curious about what you think. This is not on the script. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
So what do you think about breastfeeding in public? So I actually had an incident the other day on my first day working here in the clinic. Um, I went to go talk to a patient. Uh, she came in with two of her daughters, one maybe around 16 years old, and her other daughter, I assumed to be three, um, just by looking, didn't ask about the age. And uh, when, when I was talking to the 16-year-old daughter, kind of going through her physical and everything, the mom suddenly started breastfeeding what I thought was a three-year-old. And initially I was in kind of confused. I didn't know that, I didn't know maybe she was younger than three years old, two years old, and I just assumed that she was older. But now that I've done research and we talked about it in the beginning that, you know, like as long as it's mutually desired by the mom and the daughter, which it looks like it was, <laughs> um, that it's fine to do. And I mean, she didn't have any like um, worry or shame when doing mm -hmm. it in front of me or in front of her other daughter. So if if the mother and daughter are OK with it, I say go for it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I feel like... Um, Mothers should also feel comfortable breastfeeding in public. And I feel like people should not judge. And the more we talk about this topic, the more it's going to be not a taboo thing to do in public. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate your opinions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I also believe that breastfeeding is a natural process and that breast, uh, breastfeeding mothers, they should be allowed to breastfeed whenever they, mm -hmm. they need it and wherever they need it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, thank you guys for being here and thank you for having this discussion with me. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. And thank you guys for listening too. Uh, we invite you to come back and listen to us for next episode of Rio Bravo Q Week. Thank you. Now we conclude our episode number 131. Breastfeeding Part 2. Aruna and Leah explain that the American Academy of Pediatrics now recommends continued breastfeeding until two years or as long as the mother and the baby desire it. It is important to remember some contraindications, such as babies with galactosemia, mothers who are using illicit drugs, and some maternal infections such as HIV, untreated brucellosis, and Ebola virus. This week, we thank Hector Ariasa, Aruna Sridharan, and Leah Kachikian. Audio editing by Adrian Silva. Even without trying, every night you go to bed a little wiser. Thanks for listening to Rio Bravo Q Week podcast. We want to hear from you. Send us an email at Week at clinicasierravista.org or visit our website, riobravo.org fmrp.org slash qweek. See you next week.